Hello, and welcome to a supplemental episode of Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, it's our usual crew, myself, Jonra, and Sue, with uh, Dr. Jay Fleitman. And we wanted to talk a bit more about how politics in Massachusetts work in our weird, peculiar Bay State. And one of the e- interesting little things that uh, is sort of peculiar to Massachusetts is it's it's very democratic. And it, it is true. The Democratic Party has a lot of power here and totally controls the legislature. But within my lifetime, almost every governor has been a Republican. It's I've odd. E- I've even voted for a few of them. And I'm curious, and apparently there's a long history of Republican governors in this state. So we wanted to sort of talk a bit about, like, how that dynamic plays out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, John, um, it was your idea, so you well, you talk more about it. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> what it was. Uh, <laughs> Did he take all your lines? I, I 68%. Mean, I heard yeah, that number yes, somewhere. Yes. The, um, the, the thing that I've, I mean, for a long time that I've just kept thinking about is how Massachusetts is supposed to be this deep deep blue enclave and the and it's always democratic and everything but then we just keep uh voting in republican governors and what why why do you think that is um that's because massachusetts is not a deep blue enclave yeah Um, if you look at massachusetts is very much like new york and illinois in that there's a big blue city that drags the rest of the state along with it. It's true. It is true. Yeah. And I mean, you look at the election maps, like you, you have uh, you have a lot of red red parts, especially like in part of the Lower Cape and, and uh, in Well, it's Southern. not just the Lower Cape. Donald Trump Southern. got a million votes in the 2016 presidential election in this state. Yeah, I mean, like the Southern, Hillary got 1.8 million, but Trump got a million people in Massachusetts. I don't, know, the what the, form, I don't so, know how the Berkshires you know. uh, leans, but... Well, the uh, Berkshires is blue. The okay. Berkshires is actually one of the few rural counties in the United States which is blue. And I think to a large extent that's because New Yorkers own most of the Berkshire Mountains. I was going to say Berkshires is, yeah. is very New Yorker. Yeah. So you're exactly right. If you look at a map, a voting map by town, but you know, particularly in statewide can- elections such as a Senate election or a governor's election, you know, there's blue Boston... And the whole swath of suburbs around Boston into the Cape, extending completely around Worcester, um, all the way pretty much almost to this to the um, east side of the Connecticut River is red. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of blue towns. You have Amherst that's blue, and um, and then of course you know on this side you know we have um, Springfield and and uh, Holyoke and Northampton is blue, but the rest of it's red. And in this area. Um, many of these towns, as I mentioned, Chicopee almost always votes red. Uh, I think that's the fourth largest city in, in Massachusetts. I wouldn't be surprised, um, yeah. And um, yeah, Pittsfield may Meadows. be uh, Republican. Pittsfield, do you think? I would okay. say, I, I'm not sure. Greenfield? But, no, Greenfield's pretty Democratic, though yeah. actually in, in the last few years, um, I think the predominance of the city council up in Greenfield has turned Republican. Hmm. Um, but there are a ton of Republican towns. And, you know, when I ran a campaign in a district that really is, was primarily Republican, um, the mm-hmm. current second congressional district, um, which is the one that we're in in Northampton with uh, McGovern, um, is actually the most conservative district in Massachusetts. Oh, that's um, interesting. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the towns in what is currently the second congressional district, uh, for example, uh, I looked at this in the um, – Scott Brown campaign where he won uh, won this first Senate race. Yep. Um, the entire state voted for Scott Brown 52% to 48% against, was it Coakley, if I remember correctly? Yep. Um, yeah, I think so. In this district with these towns, it was actually 58 to 42. 
Hmm. Um, and there was redistricting done after the 2010 congressional race because we lost the congressional seat. We went from 10 to 9. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that actually Stan Rosenberg did, because he was head of the redistricting effort, uh, one of the things he did is that he added, and this is why we're in that congressional district with McGovern, he added Amherst, um, a couple of towns around Amherst, like Shutesbury and Leverett, and Northampton, in order to give McGovern more Democrats, because his district was so Republican. Oh, that's why okay. they did. That's why we are the tail on this big congressional district. KG. Mm-hmm. So that's why we vote for, we have, you know, the ability to elect um, Republican uh, governors. Now, why aren't we electing Republican senators or congressmen, especially, especially yeah. since, um, and even state senators and state reps, um, in larger numbers well, anyway? Well, I, I live in East Hampton, and my state rep is, uh, or state senator is um, Donald Thomas Thomas Thomason. Yep, yeah. yep. He happens to be just a great guy, too, by the way, in case you haven't met him. I have met him, actually, yeah. at, uh, eating at the Silver Spoon one time. Very nice fellow. He is a very funny fellow. Yeah. He gets started. He's hysterical, actually. Um, and I think, to a certain extent, the part, part of that problem is that, is that uh, Republicans in uh, Massachusetts haven't developed much of a bench in terms of good candidates. Um, and we just had, the, the party just hasn't um, concentrated on that. You know, I have a lot of experience over the last 10 or 15 years with the Massachusetts GOP. And the Mass GOP gets very invested in the big races, such as the governor's race and the Senate races. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're down ticket from that, even a congressional race like the one I ran, the party doesn't get involved and isn't interested. And so unless I don't you think know, we you're have that much money. Is it, it? We just don't have enough resources or something. Um, How can that possibly be true? I mean, considering, you know, like. We spend the money on something else, maybe? The, oh, I, I guess so. I think, the, I think it's really, that's a really interesting point, just because um, that's, that I is mean, Mitt a... Mitt Romney alone could fund your campaign. <laughs> that is a really... Um, and did. Uh, <laughs> hold on, that, that is really a kind of, it can be a national issue. Like, a, there are a lot of people, just the, the electorate and the, or the just citizens, um, the, nobody thinks about that ticket stuff. Nobody thinks about uh, funding um, just local politics everybody's thinking about president the congress things like that but nobody really thinks to have a strong party to, <coughs> to do the grassroots stuff yeah you mm-hmm. need you, well, you need also, a strong party and you also need to focus on that on that well, sort of you thing you also need people who get involved in, on the local level mm-hmm. um, and number one you have to have those people a certain subset of those people find that they like doing it um, and they have some skill set of doing it and then those folks, you know, in order to be successful in terms of moving up ticket, uh, then have to demonstrate to the electorate that, in fact, they've done a good job so they have yeah. something to run on. School committee, yeah. um, school selectmen, mayor. You need a good farm yeah. team to have a good, to have a good a- absolutely. league and, team. Yeah. And uh, our Star State Party doesn't pay attention to that. That yeah. was one of the things that I was trying to do when I ran this political action committee for, um, for, f- uh, for five years uh, was that we worked on uh, local elections. And we had some success, actually. Yeah. No. I um, think you just explained something to me. I was on the Weld campaign that night, and uh, back in ninety. Mm-hmm. And they um, they 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 called it inside the campaign. People were saying it doesn't look like we're going to win, and the really smart mind said, "Wait for it." Yeah. And you could see <laughs> Boston's vote, and then you could see the suburbs, and you could watch it, and it tipped. Yeah. Oh yeah. People couldn't believe it. They knew the whole time they were going to win, and the rest of us are like. 
I look at the vote in Boston. That there's such a disparity. I mm. mean, and it was they had done the math and they'd gotten to all the suburbs. Yeah. And they knew absolutely when the vote came in that they were gonna they were gonna take it. There was no question. And I just I couldn't believe that they had that kind of at that time yeah. that kind of calibration. Well, and back you know back you when I was just explained how that yeah. would happen. Well, yeah. and yeah. back when I was a 20 year old college student. Uh, the reason I voted for Bill Weld in that election is actually like the sort of the election where I really sort of like, huh, yeah, that's worth rem- that's that's you know uh, an important fact to always bear in mind when it comes to voting um, is elections are job interviews, um, and you know I'm just like okay, so Bill Weld, you know I don't know a lot about him, but he seems like a you know reasonably calm, you know sensible person. I don't think, you know, he doesn't seem to be wanting to propose anything that's going to, like, destroy the state or anything like that. And John Silber, who was chancellor of Boston University at the time, the the Democratic nominee, like, was just a rage monster. Well, but he won he won the primary. Yeah, I have no idea and how he did that. And the convention. Somebody else won um, the Republican convention. He was a anti-choice guy. And Bill Weld stayed in the race because he had money. Yeah. And when... Um, when um, Silver won the Democratic primary, the Bilotti folks crossed over for Weld. Because, and I don't know why Bilotti didn't win the primary. That, that was no amazing because he was a well-known well, AG. Uh, well, I, I guess as much as anything, it's like, like there is a certain amount of distrust of the, you know, the Democratic machine running Massachusetts politics. Because, I mean, I lean left, but let's be, and I on the whole support lean. the Democratic Party. <laughs> Yeah, but let's not kid ourselves that there hasn't been some really astonishingly corrupt shenanigans from the how Democratic Party sp- running the state. How many speakers of the House have gone to? <laughs> Too many? An yeah. embarrassing number? <laughs> Democratic most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, on the campaign, on Charlie Baker's first campaign, because I actually campaigned with him back in 2008, 2009, nice. in his first campaign, so I got to know him. But he used to joke that if he won the governorship, He'd be the first governor in any state in the union that would be in his parade in a car whose license plates were made by the Senate president. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just speaking about the Republican governors and, and the history they're ending up today, mm-hmm. what do you think about um, Baker's chances in the upcoming election? Oh, you know, you're talking about a politician who's one who's maybe the most popular politician in the United States in his consi- among popular his constituents. Governor, yeah. Well, popular politician yeah, yeah. among his constituents. Really? Um, yeah, he is, and um, and so I I can't see that he's going to be losing to anybody at this particular point, point. Um, and he deserves to win. Um, you know, he's he's done a good job. There hasn't been drama during his tenure. He solved problems. Um, he showed a sensitivity to the positions of the predominant um, group in the state. You know, we were more liberal than anybody else. Right. So, you know, he's done what he needs to do, which is run the state um, in an intelligent fashion um, and um, create an environment which is consistent with most of the people in the state. Now, on a personal level, as I mentioned, um, you know, I got to know Charlie when I campaigned with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's like any other line of work. Um, there are people who are really good um, doing that work, and there are people who are really awful. Uh, not terms, not necessarily in terms of their competency, but in terms of their who they are, personality-wise, and morals. And and if you don't actually get to meet these people and talk to these people, you know the usual the average person on the street is not going to know who they are and who's who. Yeah, right. Um, I can comment. You know, I spend a lot of time talking to Charlie Baker. I mean, he's exactly the kind of person that you want in politics. This is a smart guy. This is a decent guy. Um, who's trying his best to do what's right. 
Um, and um, I'm impressed, and uh, I can't imagine he's going to lose, and if he does lose, it will be a major loss for the state of Massachusetts. But that's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think so either. You know, we talked before about New Hampshire primaries, and I think that's why they do that, so that people can actually shake the presidential candidate's hand. Mm -hmm. You know, it's such a small local Mm -hmm. event that you actually do get to judge who they are. And I think you really, through the media stuff, it's very hard. Mm. It is is. very hard to judge. I really wish that we would um, reinstitute like like a size cap on on districts, uh, like a population, um, just so, like if someone is running for uh, uh, a like a Congress seat, then they'd be able to to actually meet with everybody in their Most district the instead of having like millions of people in their in their district. We'd have to expand the size of the House of Representatives, but I'm I'm all for that. I think that's a very good. We'd idea. probably go up to. I think the last number I heard was like four thousand. <laughs> Depends on what what size cap you want to um, pick, but yeah, yeah but four of ten, yeah, four thirty five was just like an arbitrary number, I guess, and it's like, well, we have that many, and since we can't Let's have more dividing. than that, yeah. well, <laughs> since we can't have more than that, the way it's currently set up, yeah. well, then it means like <laughs> Massachusetts didn't necessarily didn't lose overall population, but it comparison to everybody but else. But in comparison it did, so yeah. we lost a... We lost, lost market share. We lost market share. <laughs> even Good. Though, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we lost market share in the country. I want to I riff on what you just Republican. said about, about um, you know, New Hampshire and, and meeting the candidates um, because this is sort of a pet peeve that I have relative to the particular last presidential election. Um, there it was, is a drug-infested day. There was, there, was, <laughs> there was an event in New Hampshire that I went up to in which um, during that campaign where we had 250 Republicans running for president, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> at an event in which um, about 12 of the 16 showed up, um, and each one had 20 minutes by themselves um, to make a presentation and then 40 minutes by themselves in front of the audience to answer questions. And it was a pretty small audience, probably about 150, Wait, 200 Wait, so they people. had an hour all together? That's right, each one separately. Times 16? Twi- times, times 12. 12. Times 12. It, yeah. went, it did. It went all day. Yeah. And, um, and it, was a f- it was fascinating to watch because you saw people's personalities um, in ways that you never see them on TV. And then when you look at our debates, um, you know. De- you, it, debates. You didn't, it, the debates are awful. That I mean, sullies I the wish, word of the word debate. Uh, I wish okay. every American had an opportunity to sit through what I sat through and watch these candidates because you would have had a very different idea Oof, about who were. these people I'm were. Sure. Now, for example, just a small example, who would imagine, really, who would imagine that Ron Paul is actually hysterical? He was the funniest guy. He got up there and he had, this, he had the whole audience in stitches. Did you ever see that in, Never uh, you on know, TV. in the debate? No. Never. Um, Did Chris Christie do okay? He's my guy. Chris Christie actually was one of the people I think that wasn't there. Um, oh Jeb dear. Bush was there. Okay. Um, and Jeb Bush was again. It was it was you know kind of a surprise because Jeb Bush you know rather than being quote Please unquote clap. the low <laughs> energy right yeah. that that uh, that uh, Donald Trump. Uh, He's very accomplished uh, guy. Yeah. He I'm sure he got really I'm sure he got really a- more animated like than they than was shown obviously because he's he's really into policy isn't he well like that's the thing he's you really had, into policy you had somebody in, in front of that audience who clearly had thought about all kinds of issues in great detail this was a very clearly very intelligent man who had thought hard and long now he's not a yuck sort of guy and you know slap you on the back and shake your hand but this was a smart guy and you couldn't hide it and did yeah. we see that in debates 
No, we no. I that honestly that um the the way that the debates went for 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 Jeb Bush kind of like kind of upset me um because uh I like a wonk. I like someone that that knows about policy and I like someone that that knows uh that has a plan that can be that is that's kind of that can be apolitical uh and it's just good for the kind, I don't know if I'd vote for him but uh you want to hear that in I the I really wanted I really wanted well that's that's why <clears throat> that's why I always get mad when they're called debates they're not debates they're soundbite festivals that's right and yeah. anytime that I watch one of these debates it's just I'm not getting anything off they're just riffing on each other they're, allowed to go they're dunking on each uh, other yeah. yeah they're just talking points and then the the moderator doesn't do anything yeah. R- rare so. moments like the one where chris christie like oh he uh, picked on marco rubio and uh. really sort of <laughs> revealed like marco rubio is a robot who's remembered like a catchphrase and that's all he's got and it's like yeah. Well, Chris Christie is ninety percent of of politicians. Sure, sure, <laughs> but but it was it was like really telling at that moment. Yeah, I wish yeah. I wish Chris had turned that on a little bit more, some other directions, but liked, he didn't. Uh, so I liked how you said it. You know, when there was two hundred fifty Republicans running. <laughs> oh no, it was it was crazy. Yeah, but there were some good people in that group. Carly Fiorina when was at this. Yeah, how was and, she? Uh, that was interesting. Carly, like her her campaign was interesting. Well, yeah. it was, and and uh, you know she was running from behind because you know she didn't have um, you know the political um, chops that some of these other folks had, but she was like, and you'll appreciate this reference. She was like the Tasmanian devil on that <laughs> stage. All right, the energy that came off of this woman was just extraordinary. Um, and um, but it was great. It was great to watch again. Something you never saw in the debate. Yeah, they never gave um, enough room. No, nope. never enough Nobody space. had enough room. Even with sixteen, yeah, with yeah. sixteen, even even on the other side with two, there was no. There Do you remember when the Democrats um, had they well, called them the seven seven dwarfs? That was when Dukakis ran. Do you remember there was like a really there was like seven, and everybody thought that was outrageous yeah. amount, and then we mm. just had oh, sixteen. Yeah, yeah, that's and nobody had any airtime. No. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I think that's. I think we we uh, need to take off right now. Um, yeah. but we may wind up trimming this a tad at the end, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, thank you very much for for joining us for a civil politics supplemental. And thank you to our special guest, Dr. Jay Flightman. Um, I hope you'll come back. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. You invite me. I'll show up. All excellent. Right. Excellent. Just out out of the shadows, he appears. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have the flightman? Yeah, we, I was just going to say the flightman signal in the uh, in this guy is I'm 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 needed. Yeah, <laughs> go to Valley Free Radio. Help. <laughs> so we are uh, civil politics on Valley Free Radio, Northampton, WXOJLP, one hundred three point three FM. You can hear us live every week on Fridays at seven PM Eastern, and. Uh, also go to civilpoliticsradio.com to hear other episodes. Have a great night. This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening.